Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Listen and grow as Dell questions the status quo, encourages you to think differently, and empowers you to make a better life. Get ready as Dell challenges core beliefs, seeks the truth, and reveals the roadmap to the lifestyle you really want. And now your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, it is Tell Del Tuesday, and I've got an interesting guest. Have any of you out there ever just disconnect from the regular day-to-day life, disconnect from the humdrum, the rat race, the all the stuff that, you know, we get up and put up with every single day and just take off, go see the world. My next guest here with me today uh, has done just that, has made it his really life's goal to do that in many different fashions. And uh, we're really lucky to have him here today to try to share some of that wisdom with us for those of you out there that don't think money is as important as freedom. So with me today is Terry Cantwell hiding out somewhere in Utah. We don't know where he's at because he's traveling all the time. Terry, welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Well, hi, Dell. Thanks for having me on again. Don't know how to share your story at all, so let's just let you pick it up. Tell us where you think the story starts. When did you start deciding that you wanted to do something different with your life? Well, a lot of it started as I was driving home from work in Washington State down Highway 18, and I listened to your show every day, and I was saying, like, why can't my retirement be like that? You know, just being able to choose what I wanted to do. So I uh, got involved in Lifestyles Unlimited, and then uh, my employer offered me an early out, so I took it. And uh, we rehabbed our house quickly, sold it uh, literally in one hour in a really hot real estate market around the Seattle area. And uh, we became full-time RVers for the next 18 months. (laughs) And it was incredible we'd uh try to spend about a month in each place uh sometimes a little more but we traveled kind of south to north and moving a little bit east each time for a while we uh was just two years ago yesterday that we uh started our time in texas and stayed there for six months at different cities and it was just an incredible time meeting people from all over the country and seeing different places and saying you know gee where do we want to live you know well this place, this place looks nice. We could, this could work. And then we say, well, let's let's go check out. Let's go a little, go check out Florida. Let's check out uh, Houston. Or let's check out San Antonio. <laughs> it's really been a wonderful time. Now, Terry, I have to ask you this: um, How do you make it sound so easy? I mean, the people out there right now—they are just grinding their teeth, all oh, pointing fingers at the radio. I can tell they're just nah. You can't just do it. You can't just take off. What about this? And what about that? And what about all? How are you going to take care of all these things you need to take care of? And do you have everything you own in an RV or did you put in storage? How does that work? What can you tell us, Terry? Because you make it sound too easy. Well, I guess, you know, it's always about simplifying things and that, um, you know, so we had to take a look at what we had and we said, well, what's really important? So, you know, we had things like, uh, you know, paintings, maybe, you know, important photo albums, things like that. Stuff like that is worth storing. But when it comes to things like, say, you know, furniture, I mean, 
it's all replaceable. <laughs> you know, you just like uh, you have a garage sale, you have friends you give things away to, you know, like it didn't make any sense for me to store a 20 year old mountain bike. <laughs> you know, I just said, yeah, it, it's not worth anything. So I just uh, my wife and I, we, we knew a young couple that uh, wanted to go mount, mountain bike riding. I said, here, take them. And um, <laughs> that's so true. Stuff has no meaning. I know when I bought all my furniture for my home, I was like, don't touch it. Don't get it dirty. Blah, blah, blah. Now, 14 years later, I'm like, let's get some dogs to tear this stuff up so that we can buy some new stuff. Right. So really, it has no meaning at all. It's just a matter of in your mind, you perceive it to have meaning. So that's interesting. Uh, what other types yeah. of things did you have to think about? I mean, how about health and fitness and and insurance and all that kind of stuff before you took off? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was quite a journey because uh, we um, health insurance. I went on. I had like uh, I was on Cobra Serve for a while right after I retired. And then when I turned right about the time I turned sixty five, um, I was able to go on to out of Medicare and that. And um, so we're always, you know, we've got you know some supplemental insurance and that. And um, it seems to have worked out pretty good, but. Um, you know, when you're when tra- when you're traveling, it it does get a little different. Like you know, you know, finding a dentist when you're you know in that no in that nomadic lifestyle can get kind of difficult. So you, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you're just kind of taking chances at that at some point. But um, usually, you go in for a cleaning, and then you just kind of decide, uh, do I want to see this guy again or not? You know. <laughs> uh huh. You took the wife with you on this trip. I take it. Oh yes, the wife and our. Uh, very enthusiastic yellow Labrador. Oh my gosh. That makes the trip all worth it right there. It does. It does. And just, um, you know, most RV parks had a, you know, they had a dog park where I could exercise them every morning and that, but, um, you know, part of what, um, drew it to a close was, uh, we became grandparents and that, but, um, and we wanted to be close to our grandson, but, um, for the RVing, it was just like, it was so much fun to see all these different places. I even hung around San Antonio and I went on site with Dave Fisher on uh, some single families and just got to hang around and, uh, you know, work a bit on the sites and learn, learn a lot about how he approaches things and that, that was really, it was pretty enjoyable. You know, what I want to know is when you're out there on the road, and this is for me. This isn't even for the radio audience. This is for me. You're out there on the road. What do these people talk about when they're out living on wheels? I mean, what is that group of people in our society doing, thinking? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, a lot of them are just, uh, you know, they're just enjoying being uh, in different places and that, and seeing different things and all. And, um, that's really kind of the beauty of it. You tend RVing, uh, it gets way more complicated if the temperature goes below 32 Fahrenheit. And, um, so you tend to follow the warmer weather. And so you're, you're not carrying winter clothes also, but, um, yeah, a lot of people, you know, they'll, they'll talk about what they did for a living, things like that. And, um, especially in RV life, uh, at the park, you see the full spectrum of society that um, you meet the multimillionaire with his Class A RV, and, uh, you know, it's a big bus, and he's usually towing a Jeep behind it and that, and um, he's just living a wonderful life. And then you could also be hanging out with a guy that, um, 
he's kind of like they're at the lower end of the income bracket. So in some ways, they're almost kind of stuck in the RV park and that. But um, you've got that and everything in between. You know, you got people out on weekends just, you know, traveling a little bit. And um, a lot of people are, there might be like oil and gas workers or, you know, they kind of follow where the work is. So they, they'll move from place to place. Transient workers are still working, but they're transient. What do you think you learned, Terry, from this experience? Is there something, you know, everything I go through in life teaches me something. I've not gone on that journey that you've gone on. What did you learn from that journey that can share with us, the rest of us out here, that are getting up every day and going to work and driving a car and sitting in traffic and getting there and going to the cubicle and, you know, Every single day, back and forth, back and forth, come home, you know, the dog loves you. <laughs> that's, your, yeah. that's your most exciting part of the day is when the dog jumps on you. I know that it's mine, but boom. Uh, what yeah. what can we learn from what you did? Or what how, what did you learn from what you did? I guess it's a better way to say it. Well, I think the most valuable thing we have is our health. And to really make a focus on that. Because... Um, Without that, you've really got you've really got nothing, you know. And um, just to uh, learn how to listen to people and that, hear their story and uh, what they're what they're up to, and that um, I think the most important thing is to be happy. All right, now I'm going to ask you the secret question that all men out there listening to this radio show want to know. We have no idea. We're counting on you to tell us the truth. When you're married to a massage therapist. Do you ever get massages? I am the last one on the list. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the truth. I figured that was the case, man. Yeah, we're, we're not dating anymore, but uh, I have just um, the most wonderful wife. She is so into health and wellness that um, right now we're focusing uh, on trying to live to be live to be 100 years old. Well, that's that. a neat goal. And, um, yeah, well, there's places, little isolated spots around the world where they call them blue zones, where they have a higher concentration of people that live to be over 100. And um, so we're researching that and just figuring out, um, you know, um, how can we make that happen for us and that. And the focus right now seems to be on more of a Mediterranean-style diet and that. Yeah, so I've, I've uh, heard of all that, and I, you know— I think that's a good goal. There's no doubt about it. I mean, once you've got your freedom, the next thing is how long do I get to keep it before it all goes away? That's been the sad part, though. That I watched so many people that they took and they delayed retirement. And they just said, "Well, if I work another five years, you know, I'll have this much money and it'll it'll all be fine," you know. And uh, then they have a health issue, and all of a sudden it's just, well, you know, that uh, whether it was planning on a ski trip or you know, RVing around the country and that. It's just like, um, that's not an option for these people. And it's just like, that's where I just said, uh, people say, Terry, when do you plan on going out? I'd say, uh, really soon. I said, I'd be out today if I could. And uh, I just want to go out while there's still something left to me. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I totally understand. In fact, I, I, can, I uh, agree with that. 
I retired at 34 years of age, and I was so happy because I got all these years, 30 plus, 35 years to mess around uh, while I could still walk, while I was still healthy. Now that I'm almost 70 years old, Terry, everything hurts. <laughs> you know, I can't maintain the muscle mass. I don't have the health and fitness. So, yeah, you're right. Health is everything. We're going to take a short break. Be right back with Terry Cantwell and the Del Wamsley Radio Show. to creating the lifestyle you really want. Keep listening. The Del Wamsley Radio Show returns in moments. Del Wamsley on the economy and politics. What happens if the economy turns around and goes back down now the Democrats are in power or inflation becomes rampant and all of a sudden it becomes very difficult to do business? I was listening to an economist the other day and he pulled out this chart of GDP. He said, look, here's what I want you to do. He said, tell me anywhere from 1950 to 2021 where the Democrats took power and where the Republicans took power. He said, point it out for me. And the truth of the matter is you can't tell. If you're sitting on the sidelines waiting to see what the politicians are going to do or waiting to see what the economy is going to do, if you're trying to predict the future, stop. Politicians and the economy have no bearing on your success or failure. Only you do. Register for the next live online free workshop. We'll unfold the map to retirement in five years or less, regardless of what's going on in the world. It's the same proven strategies we've been using for 30 years through every political party and economic cycle you can think of. Register at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. You're hearing the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more life-changing knowledge? Access our podcast and listen on demand at lifestylesunlimited.com under the radio tab. Now your host, Dell Wamsley. Welcome back to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. With me here today on Tell Dell Tuesday is Terry Cantwell out of somewhere hidden out in Utah, visiting, camped out next to some grandkids somewhere. Uh, Terry, as we went to break, I wanted to come back to the real estate part of it now. And that is, let's talk about your plan, the the investment strategies that you worked with from the beginning. And the types of things I'm asking about now are, how did you want to diversify? Was it over locations, over leads, over pass, you know, over t- types of deals? What was your diversity? diversification strategies. Uh, what was your investment strategy? How much did you want to put in each deal? There's a lot. Let's just get into how you figured you would do this. And by the way, let's start with this question. Did you even have a plan or did you just start buying stuff? Ooh, boy. It's kind of all the above. Um, I looked at how much money I had and uh, the likelihood of getting into a deal. And it seemed that um, a lot of deals you know, that with the more established leads, they like a hundred thousand, um, you know, per, per deal. And, uh, my strategy was to, uh, it's, you know, okay. If, if you're in passive real estate and multifamily, I guess, you know, there's diversification in that, in that window. And so you might go from, you know, the, uh, the large deals that have like 250 doors in one deal and then there's other ones that have, like, say, maybe 50 or, you know, uh, maybe yeah, maybe 50 doors in a deal. 
And so right now I've got deals in, um, see, I'm probably in a total of about nine deals. And I've got investments in Texas, Mississippi, Florida, Georgia, and Utah, all different states and all different sizes. So geographically, you're diversified. How about types of deals? Uh, Value play compared to yield play? Mm. Well, most of them I'd say would qualify as hybrids in that. But I think, um, you know, uh, really having having a good mix. Yeah, I've got, I had one deal that was essentially brand new. And, um, you know, I need to look um, very recent property. And I've got another got another one in Mississippi that's been a uh, more of a value play. And that's performing very well with a aspiring young lead that was his first deal. In fact, I, I even met him on uh, on a job site with Dave Fisher. <laughs> we went out to lunch and uh, I realized, you know, he told me, yeah, I'm an aspiring lead. And a uh, young guy, and I just said, like, I can't go wrong investing with this guy. <laughs> it was really nice just to work with a guy, and uh, we were pulling wires and, <laughs> you know, work, working, on, working on stuff together. Um, and that, and I just said, like, this is the guy I go with, you know. And uh, I'd say, uh, let's see, we got re- really that they're all, they all tend to be in urban areas, though, with uh, a lot of places to work. Let's talk about, did you prefer making your decision on the deal based on the deal or on the lead? And we call that the the horse or the jockey. Which one was more important to you? Mm. I would say definitely the lead is the most important, is the most important thing, you know, because um, they're going to, they're going to know what to buy, where the potential is, things like that. And um, yeah, because even the, even like the, the greatest property that's mismanaged, it's not going to make money. So, you know, I'd say, yeah, the lead is very important. So try to get a feel for the person. I mean, listen to the, listen to the, to the presentations, you know, when they have, when they have a seminar about the property and that, and um, also just look at their other deals and that, see those, how those have performed. That's, that's really so important in that, but um, you know, we're, we're, in, we're, we're coming in on a pretty pretty interesting time here with uh, all the opportunities that are going to be coming up. So let's talk about as you bought into these things, did any of them start flipping on you? I thought that's always a fun one when I talk to people that are living off the passive income and all of a sudden somebody calls you up or actually sends you an email and says, hey, by the way, uh, we've got an offer. We're going to sell this thing. Uh, did you have any of those turn on you like that and you lost your investment? I've had, uh, let's see, I had one sell and it... Um, Another one's in the process of selling. Um, the first one that sold about a year ago did did quite well actually. After the sale, I mean, because it was one of those deals with a with a great lead, we had a great history in that, and uh, but for some reason this deal just never worked. And uh, you know, I even you know like just sent him an email and said uh, we talk about it. And there he was. He called he called me up and we spoke spoke on the phone for about uh, ten or fifteen minutes. And I just said, gee, you know, everything on this deal just seemed like it should have worked. I, I don't understand really why it never happened. He said he had trouble staffing it was really the big problem. And that just getting getting qualified people to work the property because it was like 250 units. And um, But we still sold it. And I'd say that um, 
total return, including distributions and the capital gain, I got about 72% more than my initial investment. So That's not bad for one that was just a base hit, huh? Yeah, and it was, you know, I mean, we're talking only like, you know, two years later. I really got a good return on my money on that one. Yeah, I, I do have one that didn't do so well. Do you, do you want to talk about that? Or yeah, we can we can touch base on that because people have got to know that there's there's stuff. You know, remember this: this stuff is not guaranteed, and we teach people how to do it right. We teach them what to do, when to do it. But as you remember, if you took the two day seminar, we ask you to go to the back of the book and write this in the back of the book: is I will not do what Dell said to do. <laughs> Many people, you know, they come back to me, well, what happened? I go, I'll tell you what happened. Go to the back of the book. Okay, remember what I told you? You wouldn't do what I said? And then we go in there, we look at the details, and boom, there's the blatant detail right there they forgot, or two or three or five sometimes. So go ahead. Sure. Um, The one deal that did, you know, that did did post a loss um, was with an exceptional lead who had had a history of, you know, several properties, pulled great profits in that, and... um, the uh, loan matured, and um, with the current interest rates, there's just no way this property can make money. To clarify this a little bit, the loan that the lead got into must have been an adjustable rate loan or a short, short-term loan that came due uh, before he thought it, that he had any idea the interest rates were going to change as drastically as they did. Is that what happened? Was it an adjustable rate mortgage or not? Yes, on any, any property that I've got that's got that kind of issue right now, it was um, we were kind of riding on this wave of thinking, uh, hey, interest rates are always going to stay low, so we can just uh, keep this loan when it when when it matures. We can just uh, refinance into another one, do a cash out refi, and that. And uh, it wasn't the case. Very simply, the same problem that ninety percent of the people out there that wouldn't listen to me, don't get into those interest rates, you know, adjustable yeah. rate loans, uh, they ran into it. Now they're battling through it. Some of them are having to sell. They're being forced because the timing of the issue is such that they have to get out of the other loan and the loan they have uh, or is ending or something. And the new loans, they won't you won't underwrite. So they're stuck. And it's, you know, it's just hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. Except that I told them for three years not to do it. And I've got videos of me telling people that, and I showed it the last case study. So I'm just letting everybody know this was something that was known it was going to happen. But what, and this is the point I want to make to you, Terry, is that what people have told me, I've heard this countless times from different people in different variations. Hey, Dell, if you want to play the game, those guys out there are making the rules. You got to play by their rules. And so if you want to be in the game, you got to play by the game's rules. Uh, well, yeah. You know, the financing is so important that um, you've got to take a good look at that and say, well, am I comfortable with this level of risk? And that, and, um, you know, when I look at say a deal like this that did that did fail all the indicators were there and uh, i chose pretty much i chose not to pay attention or to ignore them you know and um so really i, I look at this one and say uh this one's on me i really i should have seen it coming hey we all you know we all take one in the in the face <laughs> i remember buying a, a property that was all section 8 housing and uh, yeah. i bought it for next to nothing um, I had the greatest deal in the world. The government had guaranteed me $600 a month rent on a $200 a month mortgage on every unit. Uh, 
I was going to make, you know, 40,000 bucks a month, going to get rich as can be. And I never made a dime because the tenants did $6,000 worth of damage. Every one of them that moved out was three to 6,000 of damage. And so the government was paying me the rent, but the damage was overwhelming. And so I learned, and then I never did another Section 8 housing project ever again. Um, But you learn. And luckily for me, I got myself and all my investors' money back out of it um, by selling to somebody else that didn't understand how bad Section 8 housing was, governmental housing. And there's a lot of you out there that believe just because the government sends you a check that that makes it easy, but that doesn't. So, never, needless to say, Terry, let's move on with this last segment here and get to this. What does one do when you're in the position you're in where you figured out how to retire? It's done. You're traveling. Now, I know you've camped out by one of your grandkids right now. And um, yeah. what, is, what does one think about it? I know you said your, your long-term plan is to stay alive to 100. What all do you want to accomplish by the time you're 100? What, what goals are there in life for people that get to this level of success? Well, um, I would say the long-term goal would be to create multi-generational wealth. And that, and hopefully to set an example that uh, both my sons look at look at what I'm doing and saying like, my gosh, I, I want to retire like that. And uh, they're not at that point yet that they don't really uh, see the value on what I'm doing. But I figure just keep on investing and keep on succeeding, and uh, they'll start paying attention. But um, more of a short term goal is uh, I've been. Uh, Recently, I rode my motorcycle along the uh, Mid-Atlantic backcountry discovery route with an old friend, and uh, that was just a fun time of uh, going out and playing. And uh, we started at the south border of the state of Virginia, and we finished at the north border of Pennsylvania several days later. It was all mainly unpaved roads through uh, just, you know, some beautiful forest land and uh remote areas and that. And uh, there's a whole lot of these uh, backcountry discovery routes in the Mountain West. And my goal is to ride every one of them. (laughs) Now, I'm assuming that's a bicycle you're riding, not a motorcycle on this? It's a motorcycle. Oh, you rode the motorcycle. Okay. Yeah. So uh, where did you stay in between as you, you know, if you went a couple days worth of trip, where did you stay when you stopped? Just a hotel or something? Oh, yeah. We're a couple of old guys, so uh, we decided, no, we don't want to camp. We've got enough. We put our time in. We've got enough money. Let's. Uh, we, we just booked hotels. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. I, I watched a movie the other day. It was called like something hogs or something, and it was it was about a bunch of old guys that decided to grab, buy themselves some Harleys and take off. Wild Seems hogs. to be, yeah. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Uh, in, yeah. in this in this day and age, there really is that loss of getting back to nature, getting back to f- your freedom. People just don't have it anymore, Terry. It's just gone. I mean, they, they're captured in everything they do, up into the fact that they listen to the news every day and the politics every day. Do you and are you able to just turn that stuff off and wake up? A month later, realize nothing's changed, or do you listen to all that stuff? Do, you, do they still have you by the brain? Yeah. Well, I'm just, when I was on the BDR, um, I really wasn't paying attention to that stuff because, uh, you know, I, my uh, my riding buddy just said, like, you're not going to watch that TV station, that news station with me in the room. <laughs> <You know? laughs> <laughs> I've got to love that guy. I said, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So I said, yeah, okay, you know, it's not that important. I said, you know, it'll be there when I come back. And, uh, you know, I think um, especially, though, for uh, people that are listening and they say, they, gee, well, why couldn't I do that or why couldn't I get ready? And I think if you're, like, say, about uh, 55 years old and um, you're looking towards retirement, that you'd really have time to create a strategy to go with passive investing and have yourself all set up and say, like, five, ten years at the most, probably. Well, Terry, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story with us. Everybody out there should get a really good idea of what you're all about. The rest of you out there, remember this. It's not the money. It's the lifestyle. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more of Dell's unconventional wisdom? Go to lifestylesunlimited.com and click the radio tab. Listen to past shows, hear podcasts on demand, and find out how you can change your life today. The Dell Wamsley Radio Show is part of the Lifestyles Unlimited Radio Network. The information and opinions you hear on the Dell Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Dell Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Dell Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Dell Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.